Welcome to Above Avalon. This is episode 112, The Art of Disclosure. Hi, I'm Neil. Today's episode actually marks the start of season four of the Above Avalon podcast. I launched AboveAvalon.com and this podcast back in November 2014. So it's already been three years. I did the math. It looks like it comes out to about 65 hours of podcast discussion spread out across 111 episodes. So if you want to binge listen to the Above Avalon podcast, we are moving to the point where you're going to need three days. I am looking forward to season four. I wanted to thank all of you for listening to the Above Avalon podcast. It has been very fun. I'm learning a lot. And I think that this next year is going to be extremely busy. This past September, Apple held its big product event at Steve Jobs Theater. And the two highlights were cellular Apple Watch and iPhone X. When you assess Apple's presentation, I thought the strongest part was actually Apple Watch. The message was on point. The marketing looked great. The videos were very convincing. And I think the product itself was very compelling. And the way Tim Cook led into that Apple Watch portion, it caught my attention. Here you have Tim Cook on stage, and he begins to try to talk about Apple Watch sales. He talks about how Apple Watch sales are up 50% year over year. The crowd erupted in applause, most of the Apple employees. And of course, well, for the casual observer, that only kind of gives you so much. You don't know what the sales number was last year, so you don't know what 50% more of it actually amounts to. And then Tim Cook gave another statistic, and he said that Apple Watch was the top watch brand in the world. The previous time Apple talked about this, Apple Watch was second, the second largest watch brand. But of course, we don't know exactly what Tim Cook was talking about. Was it unit sales or revenue? I think it was revenue. We also don't know the time frame. Was it calendar year 2016 or just the most recent 12 months? Well, I think it was the most recent 12 months. The point is, here you had Apple trying to send the message that Apple Watch is selling really well, but Apple didn't want to go so far as to actually provide sales data. When we take a step back to look at Apple Watch, I think the product is a resounding success. And I think now is the time for Apple to make it official by providing quarterly sales data. The question of whether Apple should disclose that data has never had a simple yes or no answer. Instead, what you would have to do is take a look at all of the positives and negatives found with disclosure. You would essentially have to weigh them against each other. And I think when you do that, after taking a look at all of the changes that have occurred in the marketplace, there is now more upside found in Apple disclosing Apple Watch sales than in keeping them private and just providing these sales clues, items like 50% growth or Apple Watch is now the largest watch brand. In today's episode, we are going to go over why I think the environment has changed, why I think Apple Watch disclosure now makes sense. And we're also going to address the broader topic of financial disclosure. Why is it that Apple releases quarterly iPad sales, even when sales weren't that great, 
but they don't disclose Apple Watch sales. Why is it that Apple talks about paid subscriptions in the App Store, but they may not want to disclose other types of information? A lot of those questions can be answered by looking at the broader strategy regarding financial disclosure. The best place to begin is to go back to late 2014. Apple had just unveiled Apple Watch. And this was a big product. It was a very big deal. And Apple contributed to that. You had this impression, and I would argue rightly so, that Apple Watch was the next big thing after iPad. But what was interesting was six months before Apple Watch went on sale, management announced that it would not be disclosing quarterly Apple Watch revenue and unit sales. Instead, Apple would take those numbers and include them in a new financial line item called Other Products. You could think of this as a catch basin. It would contain a number of products, such as iPod, Beats headphones, Apple TV, Apple accessories, and a range of third-party accessories that are sold through Apple Retail. Now, this decision to withhold Apple Watch sales data, it was a controversial one. Apple Watch was Apple's first genuine new product category under the Tim Cook, Johnny Ive leadership era. Expectations were very high as everyone positioned Apple Watch as a limit test. Could Apple innovate after iPhone and iPad? And so the lack of disclosure meant that analysts, pundits, outside observers, they would have to back into Apple Watch sales estimates. They would have to use their own methodology, their own earnings models. And this process guaranteed one thing. You were going to have a discrepancy when it came to Apple Watch estimates because not everyone's earnings model is the same. We all have different assumptions, different expectations, different interpretations, even though we get the same numbers. From my perspective, if I put myself back in early 2015, my view was it would be tricky to get Apple Watch sales from Apple Financials, but it would be possible. The other products category wasn't that significant in terms of an overall percentage of revenue. And because you have Apple Watch launching in 2015, well, you can track the year-over-year growth in revenue. So it's not impossible to get Apple Watch sales. That was sort of my initial mindset. And I think looking over the past two and a half years, that mindset has proven to be correct. I have obtained Apple Watch sales estimates over the years. I've updated each quarter, and I'm pretty confident in my Apple Watch sales estimates. However, the thing I've noticed is there are a lot of estimates floating around there, and they actually are remarkably different from each other. I see some of these research firms publish their Apple Watch numbers, and they really aren't like mine. And I think this produces a lot of confusion in the marketplace. If you're a journalist or reporter who may not have an earnings model, who do you turn to? Uh, fortunately, a lot of people have turned to Above Avalon, which, again, I think my numbers are pretty accurate. Uh, but you see a lot of press being given to these other research firms. So I think it just kind of continues this theme of doubt and skepticism. What is really happening here with Apple Watch sales? 
Now, a number of theories were put forth regarding why Apple made this initial decision to lump Apple Watch in with other products. If you go back through the earnings conference call transcripts, the official reason from Apple management was actually pretty simple. Apple Watch was a new product. They had no revenue. So instead of breaking it out into its own product category, Apple felt it made most sense to just lump it in with other products that may not have a lot of revenue. The other thing that Apple pointed out was by not disclosing Apple Watch sales, that would actually make it a little bit more difficult for competitors to assess how the Apple Watch was doing. Again, if we go back to 2015, there was a lot of unknown found with smartwatches. Not only did a lot of people question the entire product category, but there was this belief that you really need to play up the luxury and fashion themes to get people to wear computers on your wrist. And so everyone was interested in the average selling price of Apple Watch. Did it have to be somewhat high in order for Apple to push that luxury theme? So you had, well, Apple Watch was a new product and competition. Those were the two reasons that Apple provided. I think we could take those two reasons and actually just sum it up into a very clear explanation. Apple just didn't stand to benefit from disclosing Apple Watch sales out of the gate. There were actually a number of benefits associated with keeping those sales figures hidden. Apple would be able to keep competitors in the dark. They would be able to avoid negative press coverage that was focused on the wide discrepancy between iPhone and Apple Watch sales, which I think was a very big issue. Apple could avoid investor and analyst disappointment. Again, if we go back to 2015, there were very high expectations regarding Apple Watch sales. So if Apple reported weaker numbers, well, you could have a lot of people going around saying, this is a big disappointment. Apple may be in trouble here. And in addition, I think by not disclosing sales, Apple would be able to try to move the Apple narrative on Wall Street beyond just focusing on unit sales growth. Instead, Apple management would try to push a different narrative where they're not judged by those quarterly fluctuations in unit sales. When you then look at the downsides associated with keeping Apple Watch sales hidden, there weren't too many. You had either Apple was portraying a lack of confidence in Apple Watch, and you had the aspect of Apple would really be in a bad position to control the Apple Watch narrative in the press. If you don't provide sales data, there's not a whole lot you could do to bounce back or fight press that is pretty negative or articles that may not exactly tell the truth. That's the risk in not disclosing sales. So let's weigh the benefits against the downsides. The benefits win. In early 2015, there was very little upside for Apple found with disclosing Apple Watch sales. I don't think this was an issue of management not being confident that Apple Watch would become a hit. Instead, the issue was there was just no reliable way of converting Apple Watch optimism into multi-year sales projections. The adoption curve was unknown. Do you look at previous Apple products and how that was adopted to figure out how Apple Watch would sell? Not really. There, there really wasn't a recent product to do that. Do you look at the iPad? 
I'm not so sure. It was released five years earlier. And if anything, it seemed like it was starting to become more of a sales outlier than a normal product launch with a normal type of adoption curve. In addition, you had what I thought was the elephant in the room. And that is you had Apple Watch sales being compared to iPhone sales. That may not be fair, and I would argue it certainly isn't fair, but you knew it was going to happen, especially if Apple sells tens of millions of iPhones one quarter and only one or two, three million Apple Watches. A lot of people will say, well, wait a second, this was positioned as the next big thing, the next big product category after iPhone and iPad. Why is only a fraction of iPhone users actually buying Apple Watch? So I think Apple made the correct decision in keeping those initial Apple Watch sales hidden. Now, over at AboveAvalon.com, I published the article, It's Time for Apple to Disclose Apple Watch Sales. And I included three exhibits. The first was Apple's other products revenue from the third quarter 2015 to the fourth quarter 2017. And then I included my Apple Watch unit sales estimates, and then those same estimates on a trailing 12-month basis. When you look at Apple's other products revenue, so this is the category that includes Apple Watch sales. It doesn't provide many clues as to how Apple Watch is actually doing. If anything, I think the most likely takeaway is that Apple Watch sales haven't been too impressive. It's difficult to judge much growth in the category. In addition, you have a lot of seasonality here. So Apple's fiscal year first quarter is the holiday quarter. Other products revenue is quite high in that quarter. And then it drops off suddenly in the fiscal year second quarter. But I think looking at this data and saying, it's not clear that Apple Watch is actually doing well. Maybe demand just isn't there. I think that assessment is grossly inaccurate. And this takes us to what has been the biggest surprise with Apple Watch sales. Soon after Apple Watch launched, Apple management began to provide clues regarding Apple Watch sales. These aren't just any clues. These clues have become so helpful at reaching sales estimates. I think management is basically systematically undermining its initial decision to withhold sales data. Now, we could take a deep dive into these clues, and I actually did that for Above Avalon members this past week. For today's discussion, what I really just want to go over is some of the more noteworthy sales clues. We're not going to go completely into taking those clues and then deriving actual numbers. That's a little bit more complicated. For example, in 2015, the very first Apple Watch clue was that Apple Watch revenue accounted for well over 100% of the growth in other products. This was for the third quarter, 2015. In addition, Apple management said that Apple Watch sell-through, that's the number of Apple Watches that were actually bought by consumers, well, that was higher in the quarter than the comparable launch periods for iPhone and iPad. On the surface, some of this may sound a little wishy-washy, like what does that mean or what could that mean? But I think if you have an earnings model, that includes iPhone and iPad sales over time, even by month if you can, basically just take a quarterly number and take two-thirds of it, you can start to arrive at a pretty fair estimate for Apple Watch unit sales. The clues didn't stop there, though. In subsequent quarters, Apple kept providing 
very helpful clues. So in the fourth quarter 2015, Apple said that Apple Watch unit sales were up sequentially. That means that Apple sold more Apple Watches in the fourth quarter 2015 than the third quarter 2015. This happened once again in the first quarter 2016. Apple then said Apple Watch unit sales exceeded sales of iPhone during its first year. Well, we have that number. Apple Watch was then said to be the second best-selling watch brand in calendar year 2015. This was said during the iPhone keynote from 2016. Well, we have revenue numbers for what was the top watch brand and the third watch brand. The theme found with all these clues was that they're actually helpful. They actually can give us a pretty good idea of how Apple Watch is selling. The most recent clues have been Apple talking about year-over-year unit sales growth. So for the third quarter and fourth quarter, you have basically 50% growth year-over-year. Now, if we take those preceding clues, add them to my financial model for Apple, well, this leads to my Apple Watch unit sales estimates. And if you compare it from the third quarter, 2015, when Apple Watch launched, to fourth quarter, 2017, Apple's most recent quarter, Apple has sold 30 million Apple Watches to date. As I mentioned a few minutes ago, I did send more information about this to above Avalon members regarding where I may be conservative with my estimates or where I may be aggressive. In addition, we went over my Apple Watch install base and user base estimates. So even though Apple sold 30 million Apple Watches, that doesn't mean that there are necessarily 30 million people wearing an Apple Watch. Some of those Apple Watches may not be used. They may be in a drawer. Meanwhile, other people may have bought every new Apple Watch over the years and then had passed down their old Apple Watch to family or friends. So that impacts the user base and install base. If the only thing you look at is Apple Watch sales on a quarterly basis, it's still going to be a little bit difficult to assess the over-year momentum because of that seasonality around holiday sales. So one way of removing that seasonality is you look at Apple Watch sales on a trailing 12-month basis. All that means is that you take sales from the previous 12 months or the previous four quarters, that's the same time frame, and you just graph it along each quarter. And so I have a chart, Exhibit 3, above Avalon.com. It clearly shows what we're talking about here. You have second quarter 2016 to the fourth quarter 2017. And what you see is that Apple Watch unit sales are trending up about 50% year over year on a trailing 12-month basis. I think that is the most accurate way of assessing Apple Watch demand as of today. If you look at unit sales in terms of the annual sales pace, so how many Apple Watches is Apple currently selling per year, it's right around 15 million. And that number is going up as we speak. I think by the end of the quarter, it's going to be even higher. I will include a link in the show notes to this particular article and that Exhibit 3. At this point, let's take a step back to look at the overall environment. We have pretty accurate Apple Watch sales estimates, thanks to Apple providing clues. But we also have a lot of analysts and pundits out there who may be interpreting all these clues in a different way. So it's not that we have consensus on exactly how many Apple Watches are being sold. 
At the same time, you do get this impression that Apple Watch sales momentum is improving, that people are buying more and more Apple Watches. It almost feels like Apple wants to give more in the way of sales disclosure, but they're still not sure, or they still think that there's too many negatives found with disclosing numbers. This led me to take a renewed look at the current landscape, to take a look at the smartwatch market and see, have things fundamentally changed? Does it now make sense for Apple to provide that quarterly Apple Watch data? I think there have been four major changes that have essentially swung the disclosure debate in favor of Apple providing that Apple Watch data. The first is that there really isn't a smartwatch market. After more than two and a half years of Apple Watch competition, it is clear that Apple Watch really doesn't have much genuine competition. Instead of there being a smartwatch market, there is just an Apple Watch market. In the beginning, a lot of people thought that low-cost, dedicated health and fitness trackers, you could think of Fitbit as an example, would pose a major long-term sales risk to Apple Watch or multi-purpose wearable devices that have a higher price. This has proven to be incorrect. Apple Watch is seeing growing sales momentum in the marketplace. Meanwhile, when you look at dedicated fitness trackers, demand is fading. We can look at Fitbit results as a clear indication of that. We can even look at Garmin results. I have been tracking Garmin on a quarterly basis. They say the same thing as Fitbit. When you take a look at the smartwatch market, there are really only three companies, Samsung, Garmin, and Fossil, who are selling at least 100,000 smartwatches per quarter on a regular basis. Yes, you may have one or two companies they may squeak by that 100,000 smartwatch unit sales one quarter, but it's not on a regular basis. Fitbit recently came out with their first genuine smartwatch. It is possible that they may be able to be included in that very small group, but we still don't quite know that for sure. One conclusion from all of this is the rationale for withholding Apple Watch sales data due to competitive reasons I think that's getting weaker as time goes on. In addition, when you think about it, competitors already have a very good idea of how Apple Watch is performing. Why or how? Apple management provides sales clues. I even look at my estimates. I've published my Apple Watch estimates on a regular basis for above Avalon members for years. So in theory... Those numbers are out there. It's not that we have a big secret in terms of Apple Watch demand. And companies like Samsung, Garmin, Fossil, they have no clue how Apple Watch is selling. It's just not the case. The second major change is that Apple has additional Apple Watch sales data. The company has a much better handle on how Apple Watch demand trends throughout the year. We have 10 quarters of sales data. Management is well aware of seasonality. They're much more aware of the unknown 
that was found of the quarterly swings in Apple Watch sales. So they have a lot of confidence that sales are going to be concentrated in the first quarter, the holiday quarter. Then you're going to see a slight drop off. Then you're going to see sales start to ramp a little bit. If you have a big product launch in September, you could kind of gauge how Apple Watch demand will go throughout the year. What this does is it positions year-over-year growth projections as a much more reliable way of forecasting sales. So the big takeaway with that second point is that all of the unknown found with sales data and demand, it's starting to go away. This isn't meant to say that we now know how Apple Watch sales are going to do over the next five years. But instead, if we see Apple Watch sales drop off between the first quarter and second quarter, well, now we know this isn't really a big concern. This isn't something where we have to start to question strategy. Instead, this is just normal seasonality. It's a very important point. The third major change, Apple Watch expectations are a lot lower. Wall Street no longer has these high sales expectations for Apple Watch. The major implication from this is that Apple management no longer has the same level of risk in missing numbers, in reporting Apple Watch sales, and coming in below expectations. It's a very different environment than what it was in 2015. The fourth major change is there does appear to be a new Apple narrative on Wall Street, or at least a narrative that is starting to change. I think there is evidence actually of Wall Street focusing much less on Apple unit sales growth. iPhone unit sales, iPad unit sales. Yes, people still look at it, but I don't think that is really guiding Apple stock at this point. Instead, Wall Street is increasingly focused on Apple's balance sheet. For much more information on that topic, you can turn to episode 102, Apple Cash Influence. I'll include a link to that episode in the show notes. What this means is that the environment is changing to the point where I don't think Apple has to worry as much about slowing Apple Watch unit sales posing a threat on Wall Street. Up to now, Apple has been trying to play both sides of the Apple Watch disclosure debate. On one hand, management still doesn't want to face the pressure and scrutiny found with disclosing Apple Watch revenue on a quarterly basis. That's clear. However, By providing all of these detailed sales clues, Apple is trying to tell the world, well, hey, Apple Watch is actually selling really well. It's gaining momentum. We want to kind of tell you about sales, but we still aren't quite sure. We're still not really on board with that just yet. I think it's time to change. I think Apple now stands to benefit more from disclosing Apple Watch sales than keeping them hidden. Even more, what were once incentives for not disclosing watch sales, they've reversed. And now they represent reasons to actually provide that data. When you look at press coverage for Apple Watch, I think Apple is missing quite a bit of positive press coverage because they don't release Apple Watch sales figures. I think Apple's narrative on Wall Street can be improved by disclosing Apple Watch sales. Management can be in a much better position at talking up Apple Watch as a primary computing platform. Sales data will help in such efforts. When we look at Apple's overall disclosure philosophy, there has been a recurring theme. Apple provides numbers 
when doing so benefits the company. A very recent example of this is Apple providing the number of paid subscriptions across the various app stores. Why are they doing that? Well, it goes a long way in painting Apple as having the best ecosystem for paid third-party services. Apple stands to benefit on Wall Street and also among third-party developers. Another example is that Apple is once again starting to disclose Apple retail traffic. Why do you do that? What's the point? Why well, think by disclosing those numbers, which are pretty good, Apple's able to paint this picture of a growing ecosystem. More and more people are visiting their website. More and more people are visiting retail stores. My suspicion is that Apple wants to talk up a growing Apple ecosystem in China, India, emerging markets. One way of doing that is you say, well, more and more people are visiting our retail locations. This brings us to discussing what I think Apple can do going forward regarding Apple Watch sales data and the concept of disclosure. And this is where we're going to talk briefly about the broader theme found with financial disclosure. As a public company, Apple has to provide enough data for the outside world, investors, analysts, pundits, even employees, to assess how the company is doing. How is business performing? Another way of saying this is a public company has to provide enough information for people to judge the worthiness of that company's stock. The way you do this is that you release information about key earnings drivers, about things that you need to monitor going forward to assess how business is actually doing. We can look at Apple revenue as a very good example of this. You don't see Apple release just one line item titled hardware and you have $200 billion in that line item. That would be very difficult to model going forward. You have so many products in that line item. iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch. Instead, what Apple does is they break up hardware into product categories. This is, again, for disclosure reasons. So you have iPhone, iPad, Mac, other products. Then you have services as a different product category. The reason Apple breaks up the products like that is it makes it easier to judge performance. How is Apple doing? What is working? What isn't working? What is selling well? What isn't selling well? That's why Apple continues to report iPhone and iPad unit sales, even though the numbers haven't really been that great in recent years, especially for the iPad. Yet a lot of declines over the past two, three years. So when you look at Apple Watch, it still represents a very small portion of overall revenue. Apple is not going to be required by regulators, by the SEC, to disclose Apple Watch sales anytime soon. It's not like iPhone sales that represent a majority of the revenue. It's not like iPad, which still represent a good portion of revenue. So what Apple can do is they could take advantage of that. They don't have to break out Apple Watch from the other products 
line item, at least not in the near term. They could leave that revenue lumped in with that category. But instead, what Apple can do is just disclose the unit sales. Apple can do this in their prepared remarks on every earnings conference call. They just got to provide one number. They could say, Apple Watch, we sold 9 million units this past quarter. That's it. They don't have to provide revenue, so you won't know average selling price. They don't have to go back and provide 2015 data, 2016 data. What they can do is leverage that disclosure. You will have Apple Watch sales lead off a lot of the earnings reaction notes, a lot of the press coverage. I am a believer that people, when they know other people are buying something, they have a tendency of being interested in that product even more. So you can only imagine if people said, wow, Apple had a really monster holiday quarter. They sold millions and millions of Apple Watches. Maybe I should take a look at this. Maybe this is worth my investment, my time, my energy. For those of you who may still be concerned that competitors get too much information, well, if revenue is lumped in with other products, we don't know average selling price. We don't know which Apple Watch models are selling. I think that's an important point. Meanwhile, you do have Apple management providing revenue clues anyway. So this idea of, well, don't release that unit sales number because it's going to help competitors. I just don't think that really holds up anymore. By providing just Apple Watch unit sales on a quarterly basis, Apple can begin to take back the Apple Watch narrative. There is still just way too much skepticism pointed towards Apple Watch. And I don't think there's any rational reason for that. We have Apple management providing sales clues. They point to growing momentum. I think the reason why you still have skepticism is you just don't have that official sales number. Compared to the lack of sales disclosure from companies like Amazon, Google, Samsung, I think Apple Watch would garner quite a bit of positive press coverage when they start disclosing Apple Watch unit sales. What are the downsides here? So if Apple started disclosing unit sales next earnings quarter, what's the risk? The thing to keep in mind is Apple Watch has significant sales momentum. If you look at Apple's engineering and design teams, they're really running fast with Apple Watch. The company's leading the market with a cellular Apple Watch. They're applying fashion and luxury attributes to design technology, unlike any other company. So I think these items, they're going to come together to fuel ongoing or continued sales momentum for Apple Watch. So I don't think Apple necessarily faces this huge risk of starting to disclose unit sales one quarter, and then the next quarter sales fall 50% or 60%. I don't think that's likely. The day will come when Apple will eventually have no choice but to disclose Apple Watch revenue and unit sales. In my view, once that other product's line item begins to account for, say, 10 to 15% of Apple's overall revenue, pressure is definitely going to build for management to break up the line item in order to make it easier for analysts to model. As of now, other products accounts for about 6% of Apple's overall revenue. So Apple will have to sell a lot more Apple Watches before this scenario happens, but I think it will. If you look at the iPad, it represented close to 15% of Apple's overall revenue immediately after going on sale. 
after the first quarter. It was a remarkable situation. That played a key role in why Apple started to disclose iPad sales out of the gate. They didn't lump it in with something else. They had no choice but to break out iPad sales. If you look at iPod, Apple used to break out iPod sales in its own product category. Once revenue imploded and declined about 1% of overall sales, Apple stopped disclosing it. And so they took iPod and they put in other products. One of the major takeaways from this is that if you take a look at Apple's financial disclosure strategy for 2017, it's not that it's going to stay the same way in 2018 and beyond. As Apple's business evolves, its financial disclosure evolves. There may be a day when it makes sense to combine certain product categories like the Mac with something else. Or there may come a time where you take other products and you break out the products that are selling really well, like Apple Watch or Apple Glasses in the future. Apple would disclose numbers in such a way as to make it easier to judge company performance, to judge how business is doing. But before that happens, Apple has the ability to leverage disclosure and talk about how a product is doing, even if it still represents a small portion of overall revenue. Apple TV is actually a great example of this, where you had Apple going around saying how many Apple TVs they sold to date, even though they didn't disclose revenue. They haven't put Apple TV in its own product category. I think Apple can do something very similar with Apple Watch. Looking out over the next couple months, I think Apple's next earnings report marks a great opportunity for Apple to begin disclosing Apple Watch unit sales. The holiday quarter is going to be a very big one for Apple Watch. I will go so far as to say it's going to be a monster quarter for Apple Watch. Apple will likely sell more than 9 million Apple Watches. I think you're going to have Apple Watch exceed Mac sales by a very wide margin. Looking out 2018, I think Apple Watch is on track to reach a 25 million unit sales per year pace. It's a very big number. It's time for Apple to begin disclosing Apple Watch unit sales data and become much more vocal in telling the Apple Watch story. That's going to do it for today's episode. As mentioned a few minutes ago, there is additional information available if you're looking for the Apple Watch install base, user base, how I derive my quarterly Apple Watch estimates, and also more information on this upcoming quarter and why I really do think it's going to be a monster quarter for Apple Watch. All of my Apple Watch research is available to Above Avalon members. The cornerstone of Above Avalon membership is access to an exclusive daily email that I write about Apple. Each email is about 2,000 words, it contains two to three stories, and it's sent throughout the week. All of the story headlines are available over at AboveAvalon.com. You just have to go to the daily emails page. Some of the more recent stories that we went over is I provided an early read on how iPhone X is doing. We took a deep dive into the third quarter 2017 risk wearables markets. We looked at the top players, what they're selling, what management was saying. We discussed new stories about Apple glasses. We also went over where I think Apple glasses would fit within Apple's product line. There are also a lot of earnings. 
we talk about Apple competitors in order to get a better grasp on the overall situation. So we looked at Disney earnings, Roku earnings. I think those provide a very good view of the media landscape. We also talked about Disney versus Netflix and how there could be a battle there with implications on Apple. We then talked about this new rumored 6.1-inch LCD iPhone and why it may make a lot more sense than people are thinking. In the most recent email that was sent to Above Avalon members, we went over Apple Retail's top priorities and the weakest link to Apple's retail strategy. We also went over Johnny Ives' interview with Wallpaper Magazine. All of those stories were talked about just in the past two weeks. So we go over everything that I think is important in the world of Apple. It could include strategy and business analysis, financial modeling, or just my perspective and observations on current news events, what competitors are doing, various earnings, and of course, product events and product keynotes. To receive this exclusive daily email, all you have to do is become a member. So you can head on over to aboveavlon.com, go to the membership page, sign up is very simple, very easy. It's just $10 per month or $100 per year. As a member, you also have the option of joining a Slack team. So in this team, you can talk with other Above Avalon members. And I actually have the archive found in Slack. So you could go back and read all of these previous daily emails. Above Avalon is 100% supported by its members. So if you enjoy this type of Apple analysis found in the podcast and in the weekly articles over at AboveAvalon.com, I think you'd be interested in becoming a member and receiving all of my research and analysis found in the daily emails. With that, we will conclude today's episode. If you are celebrating Thanksgiving in the coming days, have fun, enjoy it. You can use that time to catch up on any missed season three podcast episodes as we start season four of the Above Avalon podcast. I'll talk to y'all later.